And it's the Titterpigs, the RPG podcast. Am I getting paid for this one? Hello, and welcome to a special episode of Orcus Dorcus's RPG Shenanigans, but uh, accompanying us is also my better half of the podcast that I do, Titterpigs. So this is going to be a special episode that's going to go up on not only my channel, but the audio is also going to be on the uh, Titterpigs podcast, and someday it might be on the Titterpigs YouTube channel whenever I get around to cleaning that unholy mess up. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look forward to that later, but we are here to do a special episode of a play report and maybe a, you know, a bit of review and roundtable talk of a very special game that we played over the past few months that we thoroughly enjoyed. And we would like to take a moment to share it with you and talk about some of the highlights of this game, you know, and some of the things that we liked about it and maybe discuss, you know, some things that, uh, we did not maybe, you know, some improvements that we might suggest therein, but before I go off on a the usual tangent that I do, because I like to hear myself speak, is yes, uh, my 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 lovely uh, co-host Keith from Titterpigs. Keith, what are we here today to talk about? Well, I'm glad you asked. We are going to talk about the six seasons in Sartar for the RuneQuest role playing game. Sorry, RuneQuest Glorantha role playing game. Now, I will caution this entire double episode type thing um there will be spoilers so if you refuse to know anything about the the scenario you know this is probably not the video or audio for you to listen to so spoilers this way so carry on with that word of caution yes jump jump to the very end when we you know thank everyone for coming and you can miss over the whole thing but yes so it's it it will as he said include spoilers but uh you know we will you know, you know, that's that's just the nature of things when you talk about an, an adventure. But um, but without uh, before we get on to introducing the rest of the lovely people here who, you know, um, participate in the game, I would like to present to you our wonderful GM of Six Seasons in Sartar, Roy. And if if Roy wouldn't mind, uh, could you tell the the watchers, I guess, and the lovely listeners what Six Seasons in Sartar is? Sure. Um, Six Seasons in Sartar is a campaign based on uh, young Orlanthi, the people of Dragon Pass, uh, coming of age. So the players are effectively teenagers. You start playing as a 15 or 16-year-old, going through the very start of the campaign is your initiation into adulthood. And then it's the what happens over the course of your first year as adults. Um, the campaign also covers sort of uh really the last year of your clan as well and the occurrence uh everything that occurs to your clan is very 
focused on community and the people you live with and your families. Um, it's not your typical uh, hack and slash adventure, gun kill, monster of the week sort of thing. It's uh, something very different than that. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, Roy. I appreciate that. Um, do not leave. We still need you to sit here for the rest of the uh, the episode. Your your work here is not done. Um, so um, as you can tell, we have the you know the rest of the uh, lovely group of people here today who participate in the game. So what we're going to do is before we get into the meat of the episode, we're just going to go around the room and have have everyone in, introduce themselves personally, and then uh, introduce the character that they played within the uh, within the campaign. And maybe a you know brief description of what their character, uh, who their character is. So, uh, in order, uh, in, in chain of events of what I'm looking on my screen, I'm going to go ahead and start with Pookie. Hi, I'm Pookie. Um, I got to play a character called um, Ardessa in the campaign, who is uh, an Isari's worshipper, um, the trade and communication uh, um, god. Um, and uh, she was a fairly normal teenager until bad things happened when she got very stroppy and was essentially put through the emotional ringer over the course of the campaign. Thank you, Pookie. Next up, we have, um, let's see, we have Lloyd. Hi, Lloyd. Hi, everyone. My name is Lloyd, and I'm here on a duress, and I'm just here to get paid. <laughs> I hurt everywhere, and I had no choice but to be here for today because I was told to be. Yes, I played Ezra, the unblemished, who was a axe-wielding, crime-solving worshipper of Abistagor, whose full entire purpose was to ensure that the party kept it straight and narrow and weren't dissuaded by dumb things like boys. <laughs> As you can tell, you you already maybe have a general idea of where this campaign started and where it went, so... Um, <laughs> next up, we have Roz. Roz, thank you for coming today. Hello, hello. I'm Roz, but I was Dira Lari, even though no one ever called me that. Everybody called me Dira. And uh, as a worshiper of Arnalda, a healer in training, if you will, and the beloved niece of uh, Morganeth, the chief priestess. We had uh, a lot of things go kind of wrong for us <laughs> at times. Yeah, that, that, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, maybe you'll find out in our description. But again, the course of the way things went over this scenario. But it's not all doom and gloom because we have Keith here. And Keith, oh, yes. Uh, so introduce yourself and your character. Uh, hi. So I'm Keith. I'm the better half of Titter Pigs. Just, Putting that out there for the public. Um, but I played for North. I was the younger brother of Lloyd's character. So um, my sister and I, we had lots of back and forth. And she did try to keep me on the straight and narrow. But it wasn't about boys. It was more about girls. And yeah, so we come from a family of crafters, tanners to be precise. Our mother, who I love dearly, was a thorn in our side, but we picked up some nice new family members and um, our little family and clan evolved throughout the throughout the story, which was interesting. And um, Fenorth was just trying to make his way in the world, and he thinks he successfully did that while still finding love in the midst of war. Oh. 
coming soon to the CW. Um, thank you, Keith. And uh, I guess that leaves me, you know, as I'm Scott and I played uh, Baron Gandhi, uh, Orbison of the Riddle Watch. Uh, Gandhi for short, not by choice, but I guess that's what everyone ended up calling me because no one wanted to say Baron Gandhi all the time. And I played a, um, uh, the, the, my character was of the cult of Orlanth, um, but he comes from a long lineage of scribes of which he was beginning to follow in the footsteps of that as he was coming of age, but long to follow more in the footsteps of the Orlanth adventurous. And um, I would probably say that's eventually where he ended up, depending on, you know, how the campaign went. But uh, I would I would equate the way that I played Gandhi was um, as your kind of bonehead Glorantha version of a jock, uh, you know, reminding all, all the people watching and listening that, you know, these are teenagers. And we did, you know, we're all of a certain age, but it was kind of nice to, you know, rekindle and remember and, you know, get our teenage years on and do some stupid teenage stuff within the game. So I, I tended to play mine as the well-meaning, uh, but, uh, but somewhat, uh, yeah, somewhat self-centered jock, but uh, you know, I ended up changing and my character arc became something of a, you know, I, 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 my heart grew 10 times by the end of the campaign and hopefully someone can heal that because I don't have much longer to live. Uh, Anyways, um, so, and that is the, you know, an example of the characters you're going to play within six seasons in Sartar, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Roy, right? You're all playing yeah. teenagers. Um, so before we, before we go around the room and, and talk about a few things, Roy, um, can you tell, uh, can you give us a, another description of how does the campaign begin? I mean, why are we doing this, uh, you know, within the, the various tribes that we belong to. Right. Um, well, the I mean, the, the core of the campaign is just exploring that journey from childhood to adulthood mm-hmm. within uh, the Orlanthi culture in Glorantha. And it's a real in-depth dive to it, which this stage of uh, a person's life is always just covered by character creation in uh, the rules and always has been. So this is the first time uh, I've seen a, campaign actually delve directly into that and uh it it's made it quite unique in that faction the setting itself is you're from a quite remote clan you're like really out in the boondocks uh you know if you like you're you know you're the um back backswoodsman's from uh you know the people living in the hollers in justified you know you're uh yeah <clears throat> uh you're hicks basically um very traditionalist in your beliefs and uh because of the isolation of your location you've managed your clan has managed to kind of stay out of a lot of the uh things that are going on in uh the politics of the surrounding land uh because your land has been conquered by a foreign empire um and as the campaign goes on those elements creep into it and it kind of invade this little idyll of uh blackstag vale that your clan lives in um not sure where else you want to be so i so in case he's watching and yelling at the either the screen or his uh his iphone um 
Doc Cowby would like to know what year does this take place? Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's uh, quite straightforward. This takes place in 1619. 1619. So, uh, yeah. Okay. And, it but was it, a good it, year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is leading into a course of events that molds and shapes, you know, the, 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 um, are more more importantly, though, Dragon Pass specifically, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. So the, yeah, the campaign takes place starts six years before the official timeline for that you'll get in the rule book. So it's uh, this campaign and its follow up, Company of Dragons, basically takes you up to the point uh, of the the start. If if you like, the entire campaign, including Company of the Dragons, is a way of playing through the character generation. Where your characters in, in 1625, the official time start of the gaming timeline in the rule book, your characters will be the age that characters would normally start and the starting adventurer would be. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, if I'm not, mis- and I, I don't want to get into too much of my, my personal opinions of it, but uh, it, it is a, it is most people recommend it as a, a, a good introduction uh to yeah. the world of RuneQuest and Glorantha. Um not only to you know have the fun of actually living the history of this character rather than just rolling it on a bunch of random tables, but also as a way to have an understanding of what the world is like, which can tend to be a bit um, um uh, overwhelming for a lot of a lot of people and, and, and tend to scare off some people in regards to um the, the world of Glorantha. But this kind of takes you through the steps bit by bit, and I'm not going to say it spoon feeds it to you, but uh, it is a way to kind of look at it from a first person's perspective, as opposed to sitting down and reading a you know 800 page history book. Uh, yeah, which, I mean, hopefully it's it's a, a good way for uh, neophytes to Glorantha to be introduced to the world, but I'll leave that to yeah. uh, you lot to tell me whether that was the actual case or not. Pookie's the only really experienced grant the file amongst you so hopefully it's the case i I took bud's test i I got 18 out of 20 questions right i mean yeah i didn't make it past the first question question and i quit right yeah well i am gonna easy in bud's test i'm gonna hand it over to you now keith um i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) ask you if you wouldn't mind um taking over and how about you uh you know handle the part of the round table uh, if, if you don't mind, just kind of maybe uh, picking on someone and maybe, you know, <laughs> deci- deciding on something that. Th- that they would like to talk about. Well, I think so. I will take it over. Thank you. Um, but I think Roy brought up a good point about um, you and Roy about this being a game for, you know, meant very much meant to like bring players in starting at a young age before the normal timeline and you know him kind of leaving a Roy leaving you you left us with the question of you'll let us tell you if it was a good introduction to Glorantha so I think all of us have played uh prior to this game except for Lloyd so Lloyd um I I see you rolling your eyes thank you (laughs) um as somebody that's absolutely brand new to RuneQuest Glorantha in the world and the mechanics what what was your initial take on this whole thing all right. Lay it on us. <laughs> okay. So um, this is about a podcast that you can all switch off now if you don't want spoilers because I'm about to go, I'm about to go in. 
Right. Okay, so let's start with the preparation for everything else. Now, I like everyone else at this table. I have no idea anything about RuneQuest. I've never been into it. People just talk about it a lot of time. It's a thing that's in the corner. I'm in England. You think I'd know more about it, but I don't. So to prepare myself, I played through King of Dragon Pass and Six Ages back to back because I'm a rebel and that's how I live. So my entire knowledge is based on very little information I got from the role-playing game, from the book, and from the incredible introduction that Roy went out of the way to tell us about how the Harrowboard work where the harbor comes from. You can't see it, but Roy went through so much pressure to put so much detail down on the Roll20 page that I had no problem once to get into it. In fact, he was also there to tell us exactly what percentage of which people have certain runes. A mm-hmm. statement that I believe I read and no one else did because I appreciated the work Roy put through. Which, of course, led to the wonderful copy pasta that I'm not going to read out loud because oh. I know Roy would kill me if I read it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so... Roy's reply, first reply... Okay, I just set a scene for you people, right? So, oh let me tell you, God, let me you, tell you people... Like, screw the question. Let me tell you people how serious RuneQuest is. When Roy put all that data up, Roy said, make your characters. And Roy gave us all the information we needed to make our characters. Some of us didn't make our characters right. So there was a rant, a beautiful, well-written description rant that I am definitely not about to read its entirety of to you right now. I'm not going to actually read it because I'm going to be bad. <laughs> oh, about, I mean, no, okay, okay. Let's be fair. I am going to read the entire thing to you. Uh, give me one second. I'm going to start from the top. <laughs> Joe, no, don't you. <laughs> it's happening. I'm sorry. The, I got to the people what they want, Roy. I'm sorry. I was having a day. I was having a day, all right? <laughs> yes. We yes, all for the fans, it. Roy. For the fans. But if, listen, Roy, this is not about you. It's about what the people need to understand, why RuneQuest is so important in the game, right, and what okay. are we living right now? <clears throat> Where is it? I've lost it. Give me a second. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, God, I've lost it again. I didn't put them up to oh, this, right? There. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, they did. They definitely did 100%. 100%. Oh, we did oh, not. My, you know, oh. You've already done it in the like, online pub once. And it's like, that's <laughs> yes, not enough. Now... You've got to do it again. Yes. It's time for posterity. It's very important I get this right. I'm sorry it's taking so long, everybody. I'm yeah. just trying to find the text. Now, while he's looking, All I right. just want, <clears> okay. <throat> oh, okay, go on. Then then I'll I'll in the voice of Roy. Piece. Right. I thought you lot were familiar with the rules and setting. So I'm surprised I'm having to post this. Atlanti males are overwhelmingly born with the air rune in their primary. Females with earth. The Haribon are unusual in that a small majority are born with darkness as their primary. So far, Lloyd, hi, that's me, is the only person, hi, that's me again, who wrote up anything like a traditional Atlanti. Males born with earth and females born with air are a tiny percentage of the population. But at the moment, 60% of the group are atypical. Normally, I'd say fine, could be interesting, but this campaign is about exploring Atlantic culture, tradition, and myth, which is almost impossible when hardly any of you fit that mode that allows us to do that. Now, you might not think this is the greatest it thing ever. It wasn't meant to sound that strong. <laughs> it didn't, Roy. <laughs> but that was my introduction it, to RuneQuest. And it. I went in already after that. I was already being praised for reading the law. And I was like, "That's this is what we're starting with? I am ready. So I, have, I, I enjoyed every minute of my RuneQuest experience. 
I would gladly break down each chapter later when we get a chance because I don't give such a talk. But I'd like to say, Roy, thank you so much for introducing me to the world of RuneQuest like that because I knew this was serious business and there was no time for high fives anywhere. That's how I wanted to say. Carry on. So, so to question, question, Lloyd, do you now feel as if you have been initiated into the world of Glorantha? That was way better initiation than the riddle or the rite of passage. <laughs> like, by miles. Oh. Like, throw that shit in the bin. You don't need that. That's, that oh. text that was showing me that the work I put in was worth it was better than anything I could have. I, I was like, I cannot believe I'm reading this. Oh, hold this on, is hold so on. Good. So, so, Lloyd, for, yeah. for all this love and praise you're giving RuneQuest Glorantha right now, well, mm-hmm. What do you have to say for all your bitching in the game? <laughs> oh no, we haven't talked about the game. That's in the oh, okay. world. We'll, we'll get we'll get great. to that. Okay, we'll yeah. get to that. Don't you worry. <laughs> I I am drinking a brew dog right now to keep my strength up. I assure you, I am ready. <laughs> Whoa! Because we'll be here four hours if we don't. Please carry on. Now, oh, okay. Now be, before you can, be, before you continue, Keith, I'm not going to read it, but all I'm going to add to that was. I didn't make my character yet, but I got a plead from Roy says we need an atypical Orlanthi for the campaign. And I said, no problem. But mind you, much like a student who was studying for a test that he didn't study for laser focused through the entire character creation. And I, you know, circled every O, you know, wrote down every L, dotted every I as Orlanthi as I can make, sent it to Roy and what I got back was thank you um, <laughs> for, for, for making it easier. And I, and I said, no problem. So, but uh, now that, now that we've crossed two off the list, we're not going to throw the other two under the bus who did their own thing, but, uh, but Keith now carry on. Um. <laughs> okay. So um, Lloyd, thank you, Scott. Thank You're welcome. You. Roz. So um, <clears throat> like me and Scott and, and, and very much like Lloyd, you're, you're very new to, RuneQuest as well. So what was your initial take? Unlike Lloyd, I believe the riddle was the best part (laughs) because I think going through that for me, I was able to embrace more and have a better understanding of Glorantha and of Arnalda. Mm -hmm. That is, the riddle is like amazing. If you do nothing else, just do the riddle. I, I, I have so to. I, I have to chime well, in. Well, you can't no. because you're a boy. <clears throat> no, but I, what I want to say is that that whole uh, coming of age thing, right at the beginning of the story, where you are transitioning from adolescence to either womanhood or manhood, and and making that transition. I mean, that is that was weird to play it out because i've never played a game where that is a, like a central theme to it but it was but it was quite interesting and it it made me more invested from from the starting line in my character and where my character fit in with the others and where my character fit in with the story as a whole uh, it gave me a different perspective having having played RuneQuest previously uh, a few times um it just gave me a different perspective that I didn't have uh, previously. So I like that part of, of what six seasons in Sartar is and is, is trying to do. Um, 
at least up front in the beginning. Yeah. So what I what I'd like to do before we continue on, because I, I what I for for the people watching and listening, I would like to you know eventually put some context to what we're talking about here. You know, the riddle and that kind of thing. But uh, let's go to you, Pookie, um, and just kind of you know you know your general take. You know, as far as I know that you've been you are well versed in the world of Clarantha and have been since you know for you know as long uh, pretty much I would assume since, since Christ been walked in sandals. Right. Exactly. Um, but, um, and you've run many games for us, you've, you've played in some games, but, uh, and I know you've been biting at the bridle to have this particular, um, game run for you. Now you did review the game before playing it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that was for me, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I review games and lots of games and one of the problems, the, the dangers with that is of course that you might, you know, be uh, confronted with the, the opportunity to play something that you've already reviewed. Um, so, um, with this though, uh, I kind of knew the general story outline, but I didn't, I, I sort of forgotten the, um, the specifics by the time I came to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I was playing, you, know, you know, for me, it was a chance to sort of like play Garantha. I didn't often, Garantha, I don't often get, get a chance to do that and to play it at a depth um, um, very much to what I regard as like as a culture game uh, to in, to engage and embrace that culture and really work work at it from sort of like a real starting point. Um, you know that, um, uh, that that process of, go, of of change from child to adult, going through the initiation and begin to get get the fundamentals of, of understanding um, who the char- who your characters are. Um, I mean, we come back to <laughs> the the um, the rant i mean i created i was guilty of playing creating an atypical character um at, um uh but i reined it back in and it uh, uh and essentially i have to admit i kind of set my character up to, to, to you know ha- um kind of in, uh, have a big kind of um, falling out, like giving it some thought because I knew what would happen at the end of the beginning of the first scenario. Because it's, it, it's, um, um, I did recall that, and I thought that's going to be interesting to play with if this happens. Um, and the fact that I, you know, I wanted to play that a character who was a worship of, of Isseries, and I knew that would kind of happen. I must say, I, I knew Toki had read it beforehand. But I wasn't worried about it in the slightest. I sort of trusted that Pookie, you know, if Pookie having read it, it would just be actually a benefit to the campaign. I, did, I wasn't worried at all about that. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I was, uh, yeah, it, it, it worked out exactly as I hoped it would. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> it, yeah. Well, you, you said at the same time, I mean, you worked out as hoping, but you were also shocked by what I did as well. I, well, at first, I thought, whoa, that's a bit full on. But the longer you went on with it, the more I got did a complete 180 and thought, oh, my God, this is brilliant. This is absolutely fantastic. And it was actually you doing that actually spurred me on. So, I mean, at one point, my wife came out to see who I was arguing with and only realized that it wasn't an argument when when I finished shouting and then went, so what are you doing next? And at which point she realized I wasn't actually having a full-blown argument with somebody on the screen. 
Yeah. I would like to point out that uh, this argument between them, I will be coming back to this conversation later. Don't you worry. It's very <laughs> right. I, I, as a as a third party observer, I have some I have some choice words for them for that. Carry on. All right. So. Right. That's kind of all, Scott. Do you have anything to add to initial impressions? Like no, right but I think starting gate. No, but I think you know where where we should you know move on and start with you know yeah. kind of give context to everything. So 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 the story evolves. We we go through these initiation rites, and I think it it in of itself, in my opinion, as somebody that's relatively new to RuneQuest, is is so intrinsic to this story that you can't separate the. St- the story from the initiation. They, they have to be done together and in unison. Um, so let's, can we, can we talk about it briefly? Yeah. I know it's going to be spoiler territory, but because yeah. um, we both had, we, we had a group of uh, two male characters mm-hmm. and three female characters, and they have very different initiation um, and coming of age rights. Right. So, Roy, why don't why don't you set us up then? I mean, we don't have to go into a long description of it, but you know, when when the when the campaign begins and the scene starts in uh, uh, in six seasons in Sartar, where, where is it that we're going to find ourselves when when we're beginning when in regards to this initiation rites? Right. So, for the female players, before the, we we got together as a group, I did one on ones with Pookie, Ros, and Lloyd, uh, running through their initiation and you know very much just one-on-one um and based on the choices and uh, the way they played through that initiation very much set up where their characters were going yeah so uh you go through that initiation as a one-on-one at the end of it you should ha- uh the player should have a very good idea of you know the direction their character is going to go on for Ros, it's very much the core or an uh, an alden uh path uh of uh womanhood and uh sort of nurturing the future down the line of sort of motherhood and caring uh with lloyd ezra went off on a a different uh tangent completely just sort of uh was um i'm not even sure how to phrase it um well lloyd why don't you give it as a quick rundown on what you thought with the riddle so the riddle takes the riddle is the right to passion because the fortunate thing about playing it from a character you get to do both because you play as one of the side characters from the game hence roy being so to push down for that before i do that i need to preface one thing and one thing before we start roy played the game pretty much to the letter so i saw as far as i'm concerned this is the quintessential way that six seasons are supposed to be played because i've read the books now and as far as i'm concerned roy was like nope we're playing it straight and played it straight through for pretty much most of it. So when I say I did not fuck the fish, I fully <laughs> intend to understand the freeze off. I did not fuck. Roy tried to trick us. because like <laughs> the ritual is supposed to go through this process where you are, because it's a, it's a hero quest. You're, you take the persona of certain people and go through. And there's a whole bit about understanding, like giving up your body and then the flow of your blood later. And then you meet a God and you fuck the God. But he tried to he tried to get us to fuck the fish by making a fish Jason Momoa. And there is no universe where I will put Jason Momoa's dick anywhere near my body. So <laughs> I was not going to fuck that fish. It was not happening. I did not care. And that's where the line of anything else came from. You see, that's where the problem came from that line. But the game is built. So even if you're like me and you don't want to fuck the fish, you still go through the riddle 
even though you deviate from the path. And I don't know what the other two did. They probably fucked the fish. But I don't know what the other two did. But I very much felt my character's personality meant that I meant to take a different path in the riddle. And the game emphasized for that and played it through. Right. Yeah. There's there's the traditional path through the riddle, but there are no wrong decisions. It, how you, the decision you make will uh, just uh, sort of influence how you see your character and where your character will go from that point and perhaps direct them towards certain cults or um, sort of, uh, uh, occupations or just how their character will develop. Right. And, and each, as stated, each one of these, you know, were, were pulled aside individually to do these things. Uh, they were yeah. essentially one-on-one sessions. And when they were said and done, we have no idea what the other person went through. Now, of course... It's a role-playing game, so people, you know, would, you know, some would role-play the outcome of it accordingly and 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 show that. But most of us were in the dark of, you know, what each individual person went through. Um, so that's that's another another highlight and interesting aspect of, of this particular game is you're doing, you know, not only are you doing this initial character building for these teenagers, mind you, these these are what fifteen to sixteen yeah. years old. Um, that, uh, that, you know, you're not, you know, when there's that, this aspect of surprise and secrecy going on, uh, because these are personal events that each one of these characters are going through. And, and it does, it does kind of make things a bit clickly clicky as they would with normal teenagers. Um, you know, I would, uh, Keith's character for North, you know, we were the two guys, we kind of, you know, we had a bit of a bond over that event. Uh, you know, the three characters playing, um, you know, playing the, the, the girls within the game, they, they had their own special events, but, but even though we were together as a group with other NPCs in the game, there were still things started to do as they do within naturally within teenagers, as people start to divide off and branch off into different, you know, aspects, and other clicks, like other clicks and other, well, other cults. Um, so yeah. it's it's a, it's an interesting dynamic to and see how and it definitely laid a foundation for how things played out, <laughs> right. uh, both both dramatically and hilarious hilariously as as the game progressed. So well, that's why I said I think it's uh, as somebody relatively new to the game. Um, I, I think that initiation ritual playing as a as a as a in your middle teenage years. And then doing the initiation ritual and that transition from adolescence to adulthood was is absolutely important to this the entirety of the story because you become the central piece of the story. You know, you, me, each of us as a as a group all become the the main characters in this evolving story of our not only of our family groups but our plan you know the different family groups as we go out uh larger and larger in the in the veil and it it's amazing how that introduction point is so linked to everything else um that that comes after it uh well with especially with that first because the boys initiation is the first session where everyone's together mm-hmm. and uh there's you know there's a bit of role play beforehand just a clan mm-hmm. life before it goes into the boys' initiation. For the boys' initiation, the players with female characters all took NPCs. Mm-hmm. So that there was five characters plus oh. a, another NPC, six characters. 
total going through the boys initiation. Yeah, that felt a little weird. I got to admit, like they, the, the, our female characters, their players got an inside look at our initiation, but we didn't get an inside look into their apparently fish fucking. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, no, that, that's, be, that's because, uh, Women have a good idea about blokes, but blokes haven't got a clue about women. So you know what, you're not. So that only, yeah, that, that that's perfectly wrong. reasonable to me. But also, uh, don't forget yeah. that males go through it together. We have to go through it alone. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you I know mean, what? You that's know? that's absolutely like that's that's a that's fair. I mean, I mm-hmm. I can appreciate and, that. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing about um, the, the the riddle is is that it's the whole experience is is uh, I mean it's almost it's more womb like than the one that the men go through. Um, you know, it is a rebirth. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. intrinsic. Of uh, the female initiation is something you go through alone, whereas the men's initiation is uh, something you go through as a group. Uh, that is actually really important to it. But what was also really good was that the uh, NPCs that everyone played actually ended up becoming major NPCs through the campaign, which wasn't originally the plan, but, um, you know, the people did such a good job with them that kept them around. Yeah. So what happens after this, Roy? Um, well, after this, there's, um, you can, um, there's, there was a, a bit of a side quest, which was actually uh, initiated from the um, started because of the events in the initiation, uh, mm-hmm. which introduced you to some of the neighbours of the clan. Uh, you got to meet the Telmori wolf people, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and um, trips up into the mountains. And uh, I mean, how much detail do we want to go into? On oh, I mean, as as much as you like, because one one of the things that I was hoping to touch on is is as we were as we're talking about the initiation, is it's actually there's a possibility that your character may not even make it through. Oh, absolutely. Two, two of the NPCs died in the initiation. Then one Fact. rolled under their power, uh, often rolled under his uh, power and just was kicked out of the initiation. The other, Avantal, actually died. And it became a point that they, uh, he was resurrected and it completely changed his entire personality going through that uh, right. event. Um, yeah. His dying and uh, going off to the silent court and to have him bore. And then uh, being dragged back to the real world will tend to have an effect on a person's personality. So yeah, so I mean, it's it is an initiation process, but it's not you know a bunch of teenagers getting together to play a game of t-ball. Yeah, um, it's this is a rite of passage into you know womanhood, manhood, whatever the case may be, but into your you know pers- uh, into your particular cults. But there's no guarantee that you'll be accepted into this, and you may. I guess best way I've described it, you're finding lacking and you don't progress into adulthood. Um, so yeah, it, 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 there's definitely a danger involved within this that I was not expecting at all. And it was quite a shock when, when these occurred, it's like, Oh shit, now we're, you know, things are, things are getting real. Um, you know, you're, you're not kids anymore. And which is the point of, seems to be several of the points of the game. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's an interesting aspect to, to detail within this that, yeah, there's a chance that first scenario, uh, you may it was lose some really your... unlucky rolls as well, though. So. Yeah. But the possibility was, um, is still there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. 
I think the I just want to say before we move on to the the, the main body of what the, the story is about, um, I think I'm going to because Scott preemptively said something off off air. Mm-hmm. The creator, Andrew Logan Lloyd Montgomery. Did I get it right? L- Logan. Andrew Logan. Damn it. Montgomery. Not All not right. Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, no. Uh, that's what yeah. I was afraid I was going to yeah. say. Oh, you're, welcome. Um, you're welcome. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. No, no. I, what I want to say, though, is with, with six seasons of Sartar, and then there's obviously, for those that don't know, there are two additional books that evolve the campaign further beyond this initial story. But I think he's hit on something that I haven't seen um, in the rest of the the library, as it were, of of, uh, of RuneQuest books that I have access to or that I've seen or know about with you know, starting at such a young age, going through the initiation rites, and then being thrust into this emerging situation that is um, not only interesting, but um, becomes catastrophic, uh, big picture wise. So I, I, I just wanted to say that, that I think he's really, I want to hammer home that I think he's really hit on something that's, that's good. Lloyd? I would like to double from that, that I am more disappointed in RuneQuest in that RuneQuest is not about staying with the clan and doing clan stuff. And it's more like your adventure game. Because I thought after playing King of Dragon Pan Six Ages, I thought this was it. Yes, you stay with your clan, you have the clan members, you do clan stuff and you move on from there. I did not realize RuneQuest is about being like a badass adventurer and doing some ass-kickery stuff elsewhere. I, By the way, we need to talk about mechanics later. I did not realize that at all. And the fact that when I found that out, I was more disappointed in that than I thought I would be because I really, really enjoyed the living in a village aspect of Six Seasons of Sata. That was the best part of that game. And I don't know if I can play a game again, like for RuneQuest, that doesn't do that. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the main body of the story. Um, you know, Roy, can you give us just a, a another recap, like a high level, yeah, overview of what the story was that after the initiation to the end point, just kind of a broad brushstrokes. Okay, so um, the the main events are that at a point in the course of the year. Uh, your characters discover a hidden temple on the mountains above the Vale, and you discover a uh, the spirit of a worm, uh, which is um, Shavashak, which Keith uh, is is a priest now. Um, yes. And well, yes, uh, I am. the spirit sort of uh, um, associates itself with you. I. It puts its imprint on you and you imprint on it. And it effectively becomes your group spirit, your whiter. Just as a village has a whiter or a temple has a whiter, which is the community spirit, it becomes your community spirit. And uh, for most of the campaign, it's kind of there in the background. You don't really know what's going on. It just appears to you occasionally as a chat um, with all of you at different times. But uh, it's kind of very much in the background. It's just back there somewhere uh but this actually 
is part of uh, the, the great hero, Kalir Starbrow, who's leading the Orlanti Rebellion against the Lunar Empire, um, is interested in this spirit as well. And she's actually comes to the Vale to, when she hears that you've uh, made contact and got into the temple, and um, to actually uh, get hold of this spirit. She, she needs it for her plans to defeat the Lunars. Only to find that the spirit has, you know, uh, associated itself with you guys and wants nothing to do with her and tells her to bugger off, basically. And she's has, she has to just put up with it. But the Lunars are hot on the tail of Kalira as well. And they then come to the Vale uh, to try and take her. There's a fight. Lunars are killed. This is then the ex excuse that the clan, uh, the tribal chief, Kangal, who's the uh, king of the Kolimar, which is the tribe your clan's part of, and has always had a uh, problem with the Haraborn and is and works for the Lunars. He's effectively a lunarized Orlanthi. Um, is given orders to come in and take, and the, the campaign ends with basically the destruction of your clan and your clan having to go into exile and run away from its home. And I mean, and alongside that, um, you've got at least um, a couple of mysteries, um, a yep. lot of per per personal sort of interaction. I mean, you can go, depending on how you want to. Uh, I, when we first discussed doing it, uh, I mean, you can all thank Pookie because he caught me when I was drunk and then stuck the idea in my head. And then I had no intention of running another RuneQuest game because I've was i been running RuneQuest and I thought, oh, I'm RuneQuested out and I've, I've done enough RuneQuest. And then he, he got me drunk and put ideas in my head. Um, Sorry, can, uh, I, can I just go to this? Okay, um, so this was at um, um, Grogmeet uh, last year, uh, 2022. Yeah. And we were, I was sat next to you at, 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 the, at the pub in Manchester. Um, and to be clear, I didn't get him drunk. He was already drunk. He'd done that himself. Yeah, I may well have already been drunk. <laughs> yeah. There's a very good um, chance I was already drunk. I said, and, I, and I very much half-jokingly said, so what would it take to, for you to run uh, Six Seasons in Sartar? And that to, the... Uh, yeah. At the time, I told you, absolutely, you know, I wasn't going to do it. Forget it. I, I mean, I, I, I wanted to play it too much, so... Yeah. So um, I, I, I went away and went, oh, that's fine. You know, I wasn't expecting you to, to, to um, uh, do anything. And then you sort of like just surprised us out of the blue. Yeah, I think it was less than a week later. I went, oh, you bugger. I can't get it out of my head now. So, so uh, yeah, had to do it. But um, when we were discussing it, uh, it seemed clear that nobody was interested in a really long-running campaign. We wanted something fairly concise because you can embellish the campaign. You can add all sorts of episodes to it to... You know, uh, the classic setup is one adventure a season, but you could have two adventures a season and throw in all sorts of stuff if you wanted to do lots of side stories and character development and character arts in different directions. But I, I got the impression and kind of what I wanted to do as well was keep it really tight to the story and just really going hard on the core of the campaign and not going to not. I, I basically, I didn't want to turn it into the sort of go off adventuring uh request campaign that lloyd was talking about where you're often uh you know just doing things for to be heroes rather than have it everything i wanted it everything to be connected to the clan and everything to be connected to the uh and hopefully that uh that worked but it is a, it's a weird when you do that the problem is it is a bit of a railroad um so uh it's not like 
player decisions are kind of drastically alter the direction of where the story goes. Uh, so, it, the, and knowing that, I wanted to, I, you know, I wanted to make it interesting for all of you. So, uh, I decided to really concentrate on how it, every all the events affected each of your characters, and really constantly ask you about that. I think I've described it as being rather than the game's master, I was a game's counselor for the uh, campaign. I felt like I was in counseling like a number of times, which yeah. was, yeah. and I'm not complaining. I thought that was very good on your part, but also because some of the subject matter was very heavy, mm-hmm. mentally heavy, um, you know, with the initiation right, and then some of the de- the emerging story was was very, um, I mean, just very emotionally heavy in some parts, and right. yes, yeah, like so. Since we're on the subject of the game, I feel we should definitely highlight a certain aspect of it. Now, I'd love to talk about each individual season separately at some point, mm-hmm. but I'd like to talk about the GMing and the hashtag railroad and uh, watching Roy change the formula of the game as it goes along. Specifically, mm-hmm. the subject that came up earlier before, which is Pookie's character having a falling out with their father. Right. Context. One of the side stories, the first one that comes up is a murder mystery, which is not really a murder mystery. It's a partial mystery that involved one of the family members from Pookie's family side. So when that happened, it turned out that Pookie's father was sleeping with essentially the enemy. I believe it's a troll. And Ogre. So my bad. So when that came up, Pookie's character disowned their father. And this is the first big jump in the off book that Roy had to deal with. So, because Roy figured, well, it's okay. They'll get over the father. It'll be fine. And Pookie was like, "Uh, no, I'm not taking that. (laughs) It's not going to be that easy. So we had three months, Mm -hmm. three months of watching Roy trying to fix the relationship <laughs> to get back on the railroad and Pookie just bouncing everything off it to the point where Roy was starting to lose hair and his mind. I mean, this man, this man, when he started off, you can't see him now, right? He was clean shaven. His hair was perfect. <laughs> and his room was level with miniatures. By the end, he was a scragged man who looked like he'd been broken by Pookie. The plot line was can, really can I, Right. Can I point out? The railroad wasn't reliant in any way on Pookie's relationship, Odessa's relationship with her father. It's just, for me, the reality is that, you know, people go through stuff and teenagers, like, hate your father, all the rest of it. But if if I'd just gone, okay, you hate your father and left it there, rather than trying to bring something, there's no sort of like, uh, I just didn't think that was that interesting. Sort of trying to bring some sort of reapproachment was a bit more interesting it also gives a bit, a bit more pathos for the end of the campaign especially considering what happened to Borkar by yes. the end of uh, father yeah that, that 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 that's very true i mean the the point was the sort of like um the other setup was the fact that um the ogre was in fact um uh, basically uh, my character's stepmother um and he's he basically uh the revelation, essentially, as far as she's concerned, she saw it as a betrayal of just about everything she believed in, 
um, her, you know, basically the memories of her mother uh, and just lost it, essentially. Um, right. Oh, yeah, uh, she did. Um, and uh, that kind of set, I said, did it set up sort of like an arc where she would sort of like, by the end of the, the uh, end of the whole sort of like the six seasons, she would come back to um, her father. Mm. Um, so the, at the very end of the campaign, there's a big battle, you know, and he is hurt. He is rendered comatose. And as I joked at the point, it's sort of like when she sees this, there's the moment from sort of like from like the railway children where Jenny Agatha runs down, runs down the, the, <laughs> the, the, the platform going, my daddy, my daddy, my daddy. She's doing exactly the same across this battlefield. Mm. At just me realizing, oh, my God, that she's going to lose her father as well as her mother. Right. So hold on, hold on. I, I want to bring I want to bring Roz into the conversation because we haven't yeah. heard her voice enough yet. So I was yeah. about to point to him, but it's all good. Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, Lloyd. Roz, what 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 can you add to this? With with respect to the 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 term railroad, I think it was less railroad because our characters were just leaving, you know, their childhood, you know, early adulthood as members of that clan. We were very much at, you know, the whim of the adults. So we were sent off to do various and sundry things, but it didn't feel, you know, as a player that we were railroaded. It's just like the the nature of life as a young person in a clan. And um, I'd also follow that up um, in in that um, everything about the campaign is actually quite is is itself narrow. The, the, the setting of, of, of the valley is narrow. The choices we have in sort of like in terms of uh, cult affiliation um, are, 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 are narrow. Um, so that kind of affects the whole outlook and style of the campaign because we don't really ever leave um, the, the actual, don't leave that valley. We just, we just step, we, we put one foot outside it, for, you know, more or less throughout the whole, you know, a couple of times throughout the whole campaign. No, that's fair. So Lloyd, Lloyd, you were going to add something. So I would like to um, bring in the punch of Dira coming into the statement. I would also like to point out the other very important move that I thought would be important. So once again, I'd like to clarify, Roy ran this game directly from the book. And during the second season where it was the scene with Pookie's stepmother being evil, we confronted her in a cave. And she cast a spell that would have killed me instantly. Now, this is by the book. I had I, I double checked. This is <laughs> by the book. She cast this spell and you die. Which Dira saved me from. Right. Now, there's a whole thing in the way it played out and how it worked out. But what's interesting to me is one... There is a spell in there in the second season that just kills you. Low, mm -hmm. no, that's the way. Oh, also, Roy was really nice. She cast it the first thing. First thing she does is cast it. It's like, bam, done. You're just out. But you just but, smashed her kneecap in. <laughs> no, no, I'm not like in the book. In the book she's supposed to just cast it immediately. She's supposed to see the yeah. black characters. It's like, bam, you're just done. And we got saved. But what would have happened with the story? Had one of us died. 
Because that was like the that was literally season season two. Now death is possible all the way through. But Roy, what does the book allow you to do if one of us pass away? Do are we forced to play the other younger characters, or uh, do we have to make a new one to come in? You could well. It would I would have left it to you to decide. Uh, the most straightforward thing would have been to take on one of the NPCs we already had in the game. But if uh, ideally the one you'd already played, so you would have been playing Squint. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you wanted to roll a new character up, that would have been absolutely fine as well. But it is, I mean, when it when it happened, it was like, oh my God, this, God we might be losing one of you already. Uh, but that is always a risk with RuneQuest. It, 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 it's one of the things the game's always famous for. No matter how good you get, a lucky roll will kill you. It's also, sadly, one of the very few interactions I had with Dera as a character. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, most of my interactions were not were with everyone in Koto, mostly with Pookie's character, with mm-hmm. um, Ezrala, but very few interactions with Dera, and that's the one thing I regret the most. I don't care about Gandhi, he's fine. But <laughs> mostly, I wish I'd interacted more with Dera's character, plot-wise. That's the one regret I have of the campaign. But... It does also bring me up to my other problem with the campaign. After there is one more problem, don't you worry. The rules. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, before you get on, before you get onto the rules, I would like to say one thing that was uh, fun from my point of view was actually um, because knowing the campaign as I sort of did was the fact that when we were playing through that first season, you essentially doing um, CSI Glorantha and yes. trying to solve the mystery oh, yeah. of the missing children. So the, the the thing was, is sort of like, um, so you've gone down through the steps and you very quickly, you identified the villain. Only um, because Roy's notes are so immaculate, the villain is very clearly there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and the thing was, it was, it was sort of like, well, I went, well, I can't say, I can't, I can't have that as my, my character would not go, go oh no, you're, you're entirely right. That's my stepmother. Couldn't be right. The film was basically persuading you that wasn't the case. That course, surely couldn't be the truth because my stepmother would never do that. She's lovely. Yes, and you threw me off the case. Yes, but also <laughs> I had. I've gone. I was going to say, but Pookie, you did a good job as well because you were also playing Odessa as being a bit suspicious as well. And then we had a lovely little uh, back and forth, and you ended up making apple pies with her. Yeah, and um, it's sort of you know so it seemed natural that your suspicions were allayed so that when you dissuaded uh, Ezra of it, it seemed perfectly reasonable. It didn't seem like an unreasonable, or you trying to just trying to, you know, uh, throw a red herring in there or something. It was, oh, it was not, you know, it, it worked naturally. Yeah. That was, never, that was never the case. It was a case of, no, well, no, Odessa might have, you know, misgivings about her stepmother because she's her stepmother. Hmm. Um, but not, not sufficient enough that she would Im- she would um, uh, imagine that she was capable of murder. Yeah, it also gave me an opportunity to bring apples in because it's a wicked set, and you should always have apples. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I, I want actually. You know what? Let's not talk about the rules to the end because I feel like that's a bit unfair. Because I want to talk more about the story because we're okay. on the story currently. Yeah, because yeah. I otherwise I'll just bounce some things to think. I have so much to say. Let's talk about the plot line of Starbrow and how I felt about it. 
I'm going to be very blunt and I am so sorry. I could not have cared less about Starbrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. The storyline involving the deer folk and the hand thing and everything there was perfectly fine when it was focused on there. When the story started bringing in the bigger influences, I couldn't care less because it felt like it was something happening over there and I was living here. And it was only when we were involved in our own way at the very end that it mattered to me. Because until then, like they were like, oh, there's a war going on, but you can't do anything about it, so fuck you. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's that's just the way it is. And nothing we did would really matter to that. I want I only cared about what happened in the veil that we lived in. Right. Yeah. It go ahead, Lloyd. Sorry. Which is also why I want to bring up another fantastic thing by Roy. During the game, we also got to play as the elders mm. making decisions throughout it. So whenever the storyline got heavy we would jump from our characters to the character we represented within the council i would play the like the badass axe wielding that was called trainer that was training me everyone would jump a row above them to play those characters and we would play through the council going through which is very much like playing through king of dragon pass in six ages now another was- fantastic point for going through it was that part of the game, Roy, or was that just something you improvised to allow us to it's, interact in that? Um, no, no, it, it, it's, it's suggested as an option. Okay. Uh, yeah, Andrew Montgomery, he, he's thought of nearly everything. <laughs> There's very little. You have he to think of an ending. Think of it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Spoilers, yeah, Lloyd. Spoilers. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, we'll get us. there. We're... But but I, I might add then if that's the case then you did allow us to improvise a little bit because even though we were playing the elders what you allowed our characters to do was to become preco- precocious teenagers because we weren't allowed in that discussion but we ended up sneaking into the hall to listen in on what's going on if I'm if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, yes, well th- that was all you. That was all right. you. I with that it, with that particular thing. I was ju- you were just going to hear about what they decided once you right. Uh, they they made the scene, but you all s- sneak in. And if I remember correctly, didn't somebody fall off the balcony? Yes, Were I you think all that hiding was me. Off? No, we jumped. Yeah, I think yeah you know, something something no, occurred yeah. where we revealed ourselves. Yes, after we learned that they were going to do something that we didn't agree with. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, you you were making so much racket that. No, no, we jumped. We jumped down. We were like, "Nope, we're stopping this right now." Yeah, yeah. I thought I fell. Not because I dragged you with me. (laughs) Possible. I mean, you were my big sister and a bitch. Oh, thank you to both. But, (laughs) but anyways, right? I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah. So that's that is actually an aspect of the game where you, yeah, it's it's suggested as a possibility. You're given, you know, that it's suggested as one uh, possibility. I, I expanded it a little bit but no it's very much based on uh suggestions mm-hmm. in the book yeah yeah um, okay. same with no, the, like, at, at the at the last at the uh battle at the end i expanded a lot on who you know you getting to uh have an effect on or at least having some uh effect on what happens to your loved ones and people you knew and the major characters uh, at the end, uh, I went a bit more into it than it suggested in the book, but you know it's still there in the book. I'm kind of with Lloyd on that because I, I I also just really enjoyed the 
the, um, you know, the cloistered aspect of just the everyday life of what we were going through. Um, now, granted, there's there's the the side or the, the major plot where we're finding, you know, um, Shake Sharvashak. Uh, sorry, call it Sh- we, 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 we called Sharvashak Shake Shack through the game just because we're stupid Americans. Uh, but we called uh, him a few or called it a few other things, too. But but as far as what Lloyd mentioned, you know, the, the whole, you know, Star Robbery Rebellion, that's something that's going on over there. And we yeah. were living our everyday lives, and but we were still being involved in something special. But I, the special thing as far as when as it was emerging, um, I felt that it was going to just essentially be us involved with that. And then the outside world comes in to influence it. I've kind of felt like you know ultimately that, and this is just an assumption as we were progressing through this, that that where the story was taken was, was eventually outside of the valley at the end of the year not worth everything coming yeah. to, to us. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I wasn't like, you know, this, this is bullshit. I don't want this in the game, but it did kind of seem to me like it, it, it did kind of come from, you know, out of right field of like, Oh, wow. What are, what are, what is, what is everyone doing here? You know, what, what are you, what, what are, what, why is this happening gonna, here in the Valley? I'm going to assume that then that's uh, me failing a bit then because when you're mm-hmm. first going up with the deer folk arriving they were all sent by clear so the the whole point of it is you you've kind of got this little uh idyll you know you're a secluded little clan and uh the lunas have invaded and conquered the country but you're you're kind of up in this vale. nobody really cares about you that much okay. you've hidden away they don't bother you you lie through your teeth about how much ca- uh tax to pay so you know you, you're doing fine by yourselves Everybody leaves you alone, but then slowly over the course of this year, the outside world crashes in on you okay. and uh, it's a disastrous effect. There's a the thing about in the book that I read that there's a, like a traitor king that came to do yeah, it. That's Kanga. That's who you were fighting at the end. I didn't feel like he was relevant to us in the slightest until the end. I know you probably mentioned him once or twice and I just probably missed it. But it's, I was like, it's wait, kind who, of, yeah, who, it's kind of law. I mean, I had, yeah, I had the stuff up as a handout, but I mean, I had mm-hmm. so many handouts out, I couldn't remember what I had up there for half of it. So, yeah. um, I, I it's, mean, uh, to, to be fair, it's, um, you know, we are dealing with a, a, um, a basically a tribe whose outlook is very narrow. So we re- we rarely look beyond the confines of the valley. Yeah. And since the, for the most part, you know, um, during the campaign, there was little you know, sort of interaction with outside the valley. You know, we right. probably would have thought about um, the king, and you know, as far as like, okay, he's a traitor, he's far away. It's also a thing. It was also, I think, it's kind of appropriate for the age of the characters as well. You're just into adulthood. You're just out of childhood. Um, these are big adult concerns which you haven't really, your characters hadn't really been interested in or bothered about up until then, as you would getting older it would become become more and more of a part of your life and something you'd be talking about over an ale or around the hearth fire uh but at your age you were only just entering the stage where you'd start learning all this stuff and it's kind of crashed in on top of you uh before you've had the chance to uh take on its importance but it did i insist please okay so but i mean it did Aspects of that did play out within the game. I mean, there was yeah. the situation with the elders. Should we get involved? Should we not get involved? What do we do with 
with these particular people that are encroaching in our valley. Um, and decisions were made by us, you know, representing the community. Um, you know, what what do we do here? Do we just remain neutral? Do we assist them? Do we, you know, shove them under off and on their way? So it wasn't just like, boom, they're here. But we, we there were still aspects of that that, you know, allowed that to happen. Uh, I Or at least it was still going to happen, but, you know, ultimately in what fashion it was going to happen and the, what, what led to the outcome. So sorry, Lloyd. Well, I think there's, I think there's team. lots of decision points in the story um, that at least for me did not make it feel railroady. It felt like it was an organic story evolving. Um, and we had, we had points in which we had to make decisions and branch this way or that way. Now to Roy, it may all have been, you know, to the game master it might still be just one linear story all of the railroad but as a player it didn't feel like it we were being railroaded from one scene to the next we we as players were given at least this may just be roy's approach the latitude to make decisions and do things and have these little side things evolving you know the story of uh Pookie's character's relationship with her father my my emerging relationship with what would would eventually become the love of my life, um, you know, and, and all these other little stories that are that make the veil the veil and make the characters richer and more vibrant um, just didn't feel like a railroad to me. Now, the end kind of felt like we were in a <clears throat> we were being I, I don't want to say a railroad, but I think we were we could see the writing on the wall where the story was going to come to a termination point. So Roz, do you have well, anything? I, to... I did try. Sorry, uh, I did try to drop hints all through the campaign that you were playing, you're playing a tragedy. Yeah, no, you, uh, no, you it's did. It's one of the things like I put lots of the, all the little uh, brown writing bits in the handouts, which are all the stuff from the book, which Lloyd, you've now read and you know all those side notes as if it's a uh, Glorantham uh, academia. Basically, yeah. Studies and stuff, yeah. Uh, I put those into it so you, it was at you as players had access to it because basically I trusted all of you to be able to separate that from your characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if uh, it, 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 is a, it is a campaign, I think, that really flies when you've got really good players who can do that. You know, they're not um, just... It's play, no excuse not to write a great prologue, though, is it? I know, and... I've is told it? you before, the entire campaign is a prologue. You don't get an epilogue. It's a prologue. Well, Roy, when you run it again for your, your new players, you can let us know how it's like to run it with good I, I, I mean, to be honest, once we're done with this and I've got the new players, you're all dead to me, so I'm going to have it. <laughs> so, Can't wait damn. for all you guys to also like, what is this crap? So all right. This, um, sorry, hold, hold on. I, just, I want to spin the spotlight for a moment because I know Roz is kind of sitting there, so I just want to get her take because she's being very polite. Uh, but uh, so uh, regarding this discussion, Ross, you know, the, the things, you know, what we've discussed, more importantly, you know, the, these events, you know, regarding Starbrow coming in, uh, you know, and where it eventually led the idea of, you know, it's I know you already touched upon the railroading aspect, but do you do you have anything to say about, you know, what, in addition to what we what we've just touched upon? Not really. I don't, again, feel that it was railroady. I feel like we got to do what the adults say, but with respect to not having very much interaction with Ezra, 
Ezra, like Cora Longfinger, those are scary people. Dara is not, was not about this scary, very scary individual and very unapproachable, I must say. I'm sorry. Well, there is one thing I'd like to mention that might have scared you. Um, the, 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 the possibility of being married to Gandhi, um, which, which, came <laughs> well, up, which, which came up well, briefly. Ezra Lara. Yeah. Um, but, uh, did I, did I miss that part in the game? What's happening here? I, I, I it was, it was touched upon in, uh, was it a vision Roy? I, I forget what it was, but I know that there, that was touched upon at some mo- moment. Um, maybe I'm confusing it with it, with a different rune. Uh, game. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's Barra. Oh. Oh, that's yeah. oh, that's right. Okay, so that's that's okay. Strike that, delete it. Uh, that, that's uh, I, I will edit. I will ask fix that in editing. Yeah, you <laughs> had a girl. Does oh my gosh, did your girlfriend oh, no. know about this? But yes, oh. no, but, okay. So, but yes, speaking Ooh. of railroading, yes, the only railroading aspect of the game for me was Roy's incessant need to get Gandhi married because that happened like every five minutes. Uh, <laughs> is, is is Gandhi ready to commit yet? I'm like, well, no, we're we're young. Is Gandhi ready to commit now? Well, I mean, how can we get married when there's a war happening in this world, babe? Um, is Gandhi get re- ready to marry now? There's a battle over. Is Gandhi ready to get married now? You know, my 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 grandfather, my we were having a special. You had moment. an excuse was, for everything. You it just was, yeah, it was Ezra asking, not me. Right. <laughs> but that's one of the things I mean to me what made the campaign really enjoyable for me running it was all of the way you all got into the relationships with the other people as well and into relationships amongst the five of you but also the relationships uh with the NPCs. Uh and I mean I I loved uh Finorth's uh relationship with Laura uh, Laleria. That was, I mean, Me there's too. nothing in the book about that. That was just like thrown in there. And the fact that she's uh, sort of related to Gandhi as well. And you've got grandfather and suddenly Gandhi's grandfather's interrogating Finorth because he wants to marry his granddaughter and uh, stuff like this. But it, it, everyone also took on really, really nice roles within it. It's like, I mean, Dira was like the silent centre, not silent, but the quiet centre of the entire group for me. I mean, in many much many ways, the whole party revolved around Dira. And um, I can't imagine that campaign going on without Dira. I mean, she, she, I thought it was magnificent. And then the relationship uh, with developing with her grandfather and with her parents and with Offin, and it was it was just brilliant, this, like, you know, um, Going into all that, and once again, it all it all came through play. There was none of that; very little of that was prepared. It was all just like just riffing on stuff as we uh, were playing, and uh, absolutely loved it. Um, Pookie, the whole family thing with uh, with Ardessa and her brother. The way we played it through with her brother was really really good. Borkorth, uh, Ezra being just uh, you know this. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Ros yeah, scary as fuck basically and uh gandhi like you said the jock but also he's you know he's fallen in love but at the same time she's you know to the point where he's convinced her right this is uh you're the love of my life and then it's like right okay well you know put put a ring on it right it's you know and 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 suddenly gandhi's like oh uh well you know oh look what's going Mm, not sure (laughs) is now really a good time Right. I'm not sure. And it, it, yeah, it, 
Yeah, I mean, and, and Every, again, the, go ahead. Sorry, no, finish, please. No, go. No, I was just going to say it was it was really nicely spread out how everyone was contributing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you could say that there was a single MVP out of the party, though we all know it was Ross. But other than that, you can't say uh, there was an MVP. Ross was the glue that held us all together. And yeah, we'll solve both murder <laughs> mysteries. Hello, Ezra. <laughs> Who was it that worked out both murder mysteries? This I don't know person? who that person Thank is. You. Yeah. And I right, saw so, the secret sorry. case as well, pointing that out. And I'm gonna say from um Odessa's point of view, um, you know, um Ezra was scary, but Ezra was basically the only I think she felt the only person in the in the group, you know, who she could go to and express her feelings. You know, that was a lovely relationship as well. The Odessa Ezra relationship was really, really nice. I really got a lot out of that watching the two of you. Given the fact that you know Ezra would never would would, would respond in the coldest possible fashion. You know, it was literally you know it was like talking to 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 stone almost. You know, so Ezra Ezra became Odessa's sort of like sounding board. Yeah, Uh, but he's also. After going, sorry, no. I, I was just going to say there was there was one bit in particular where with Scott we did a little one on one because uh, for your character just before everybody else got there, it was uh, Baron Gandhi going off with his grandfather to go around the steads to yes. uh, harvest time, and uh, yeah, suddenly you were convinced something horrible was going to happen to him because we were having this really touchy emotional. Right. And but it was it, it was an important aspect because it was coming to terms with his grandfather because he doesn't want to follow in the family's footsteps. He's not meant to be a scribe. He wants to be something different, but yet afraid to tell his mother and father this. But, you know, his and this and this relationship opened up and, you know, between him and his grandfather. And then it it blossomed into. Uh, the fact that he doesn't have to, and he's has his grandfather's wishes to go and be what you want. It was a really, you know, touching moment uh, between a character and an, and an NPC that that allowed Gandhi to mature a bit, um, a, a bit uh, within the game. But uh, but it, it's it's it it did a really good job of of playing through that aspect of Glorantha where. You know, if your great grandfather is this, your father is this, and you're going to be that, and your son or daughter is going to be this, and just on and on and on, uh, that uh, that kind of allows you to give a good um, set a good foundation for why your character is different than all the other people in this village. Why would you, you know, now once these 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 events, you know, um, resolve themselves, why would you leave your village to go out and you know seek fame and fortune or whatever the case may be? So. Yeah, I, I mean, my character sort of like didn't have that foundation because she'd rejected it at that point, or at least the connection to it. And that was why she was sort of like doing two things, which is sort of like talking to Ezra because she needed someone to talk to and then also making bad decisions. And, and they basically sort of like with no guidance, sort of like and her emotions up and down all the time, making bad decisions, you know, like at the end of the first, you know, you know rejecting her father, going off well. Am I allowed to swear? I mean, I've yeah. done it twice already. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, literally um, you know, having what I can describe as a rage fuck with one of the NPCs. Oh, yeah, he said it. 
yeah, okay. serial so light trucking, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So let's yeah. let's switch gears. So we've yeah. kind of talked about the initiation. We've talked about the the scenario as a whole. Um, let's since I know Lloyd would like to talk about rules. Since Lloyd was this was his his personal initiation into RuneQuest Glorantha. So, Lloyd, hi. Lay the rules on us and on the listeners. Oh. Hi, what everyone. are your thoughts? Hi, everyone. My name is Lloyd, and um, I like rules. Rules are fun and exciting, but only when they matter. Do you know how many skills you get in this game? Too many. Um, we don't, because we don't have them all. You want to know why? Because there's too freaking many. Too freaking <laughs> many. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm just going to read the communication skills. Act, art, bargain, dance, disguise, influence, intrigue, orate, sing, speak multiple visual languages, initiate, and then what about the rest I have? Who knows? All of these have different ratings, different rankings, and they may become relevant all the way through. Roy was so nice that he put all of the perception skills into one. Otherwise, you'd have look, listen, smell, I don't know, taste maybe, for no reason <laughs> whatsoever. It's all listed down here. And I was like, oh man, that's a lot of skills. But you know what? I can live with it. It's fine. Bing! Wait. No, you don't just roll things. You also have your runes. What are runes? Well, before you make any roll, if you like, you can roll a rune to see if you get a 20% plus or a 20% minus to the roll you're about to make. Because why not? How many runes do you have? Well, you have fire, air, earth, water, darkness. No, not just those. You also have man, beast, fertility, death, infirmity, disorder, truth, illusion, status, movement, why do I have so many freaking runes? But you can roll them when you want to. So I guess technically you have enough runes to roll whenever you want, when everyone with skill and hope it goes high or low. So I guess, you know what? You could live with it. It's not so bad. You could, oh, wait, no. Everyone has magic. So now we have two types of magic. <laughs> not one. We have two <laughs> types of magic. There's spirit magic and there's rune magic. What's rune magic? What's spirit magic? Who knows? One you get back when you pray at the end of the month. One you get back because you can vibrate it or some scrap. What do they do? Well, magic spells are different and complicated. Everyone has it in the world. And things are kind of rich. Nope. Mm -mm. They all do different things. Screw you. There's axe trance, earth shield, dismiss earth, slash. Blade shop, spell magic, detect enemies, protection. I'm listing just the ones I have on my sheet. <laughs> That's just the ones I have on my sheet. That's it. <clears throat> you can still live with that, even though you now have to join a cult and then get a point and everything's fine and you don't have to wait too much about it. So it's not really that much of being, oh, wait, we've not even talked about passions. The other thing oh, you can no. also have, <laughs> you can love or hate or have loyalty or have devotions or have fears or the. So, um, Lloyd, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> if I had a gun to shoot parts of these rules away, I would have done so in a hop. There has got to be a way to make this smoother. Like, I don't even, I don't, I don't even want to talk about combat and the, the, the speed nonsense and what that means and the turn on. Like, I don't, I still don't get it. I still don't get it after nearly three months of playing what that all means. I'm not even going to touch combat. Let me let me tell you right now, it is just as complicated and also just as deadly. I, I don't know. I just, it was just so exhausting. I'm so glad Roy did all the work. So I just have to push a button yes. and then have it roll sometimes. <laughs> So I couldn't even I couldn't even deal with trying to figure out specials and nonsense like that. 
Okay, well, I think Roy summed it up nicely because, um, I mean, I will admit I'm a fan of percentile games and Chaosium's product lines, but there is way too many bloody skills in this thing. And, and, uh, and to Roy's to credit, though, Roy yeah. did mash up a few things and consolidate right. for us. Uh, like he called one look, listen, smell. I mean, he just kind of rolled them all into one ambiguous skill. Oh, by the way, do you know how you level up your skills? Oh, you have to use it. And at the end of the game, you have to roll, but you have to fail that roll enough for things to go up. And usually it goes up by less numbers than Roy gave us. But Roy was like, oh my God, you guys suck so bad. Have an extra few percentage on top of that. <laughs> Let's not even talk about reputation rolls. Hey, roll three oh, please don't. minus one or a plus one. Pick one. What are you gonna roll? Oh, I guess I roll, I guess I get negative reputation for this. Oh, what a shame. I get nothing. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> So now that Lloyd has had his time to rant, I'm not done. Uh, <laughs> you're not, oh, you're not done. Shit. I'm not We're done. Do episode four, but I will stop here for you <laughs> because I haven't okay. even talked about the base stats that we get that influence everything. Y'all, you think, oh, do you just get skills? No, 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 no. You see, we have seven stats: strength, con, size, int, pow, dex, charisma. All of these are numbers that go from one to freaking eighteen and beyond, or twenty or whatever, like D and D does, and they all influence skills, but only for the basic number to start with, and also for carrying stuff. Also, I don't know for like power for spells and shit. Mm, no, no, sorry. I'll okay, Scott, can we can we book Lloyd on on a future episode of Titter Pigs? just talk about RuneQuest rules. Oh, no, I, I'm going to definitely, but I'm going to edit this like, as Lloyd's, Lloyd continues his rants, you're just going to see empty chairs. Uh, <laughs> as it slowly <laughs> zooms in. Zooms in on him. And when he's finally done, he's not going to realize that we've stopped recording. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so no. And and I mean, I, I get it. Uh, you know, I, I do agree with, with Lloyd that, uh, you know, BRP definitely benefits from a VTT of definitely just going, you know, yeah. push, click this button and don't worry about it. Just, just, it'll tell oh you God, if you win or lose. Um, but also it, it may come a little from a little point of contention because, you know, Lloyd, how did those passion rolls go? And how did that, uh, you know, uh, how did, how did those turn out for you? Don't, don't instigate, part? please. <laughs> okay. Look, I'm not saying I had the worst rolls in the game. But he had the worst but, roles. But, but I had the, I, some some days I was like, why am I even here? What is the point of this? I'm going home. I want to sleep. I what, don't want to be here anymore. What was the option? Uh, what was the option? And I forget if this changed because of your reputation roles, but at certain point, uh, Roy, you were like, you can either roll 1d3 or just take one. Just take, uh, and I was like, I'll just take one. <laughs> I'm not doing yeah. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, with like power increase, it's D three uh, minus one, or you can right. just take one. Uh, I mean, it, the, the big change was I was letting you have maximum increases to any skill you went up in because you're teenagers and you're kind of right. sponges. Um, point of question: What do you mean by maximum? Do you mean you roll how much a percentage is that you go up? Normally, you do D six or three. I was just giving you six each time. Wait, did you say D six or three? Yeah. <laughs> Lloyd's gonna have to think about this. He's gonna have to have a think. Okay, um, I mean, I, I, I want to just say, just to, to uh, put a bit of context and to defend Brunquest. Okay, yes, mm -hmm. lots of skills, lots of stats. So it is simulationist. Okay, um, and it's been like that since 
uh, the game was published in 1978. And it's gone through multiple editions since, all of which have had sort of like had to be kind of backward compatible. So this is kind of like a carryover um, from the original rules, RuneQuest 2, in particular RuneQuest Classic, with the passion rules and the way that um, the runes work, in particular taken from uh, Pendragon. So mm -hmm. there's this sort of like a mishmash sort of like of the two to fit together, and they do quite well. Um, but the other thing is sort of like to remember is that the, the, the passions, sorry, the passions and so on, um, and the runes are meant to sort of like color um, how you do things as much as they are, as they provide a bonus. They are meant to influence, you know, uh, sort of like the way you do things and the power of the gods sort of like reaching through to, right. to push forward. Right. A good example of that is uh, Gandhi, when he, when I created his character, had a ridiculous fear of the Tamori, the, uh, the, the wolf people, right? Um, yeah. Which, uh, which, and I just picked that randomly, but I had no idea that the Telmori were going to play a big part of this of this uh, campaign. And it did dictate how uh, how Gandhi reacted, uh, you know, with them and also changed as he interacted with them. The past the passions can change and modify, you know, especially at the end of the campaign when Roy said, you know, Pookie, um, you no longer have a passion for your hatred uh, of your father, and you decided, no, I'm going to keep that. Um. Well, well, the thing is, essentially, <laughs> as soon as as soon as I my character disowned his father, I took the passion at its base, sixty percent hate father, and that came up several times. Um, but I mean, the thing is, I mean, and the thing is, over the course of the campaign, I, it, it did it worked lower and lower very slowly. And at that point, it got to the point where it eased. But I, what I wanted to retain was the memory of that hatred more than anything. It yeah. would never go away, you know, almost like a, an emotional stain and an emotional scar. You know, it might. Yeah, I, was, I was actually really pleased when you said, I'm going to keep it for as low level. I thought, oh, that's a really nice touch. <laughs> I like well, that what, a lot. Well, what about I the others? I'll forgive my dad. <laughs> What about the others, Keith Roz? I mean, you you obviously this, uh, you know, this is neither your first foray foray into the rules, uh, yeah. but uh, we've never really talked about it in the other games that we played. So, um, I would just add that I I agree with Lloyd on the excessive amount of skills. I think some of it, uh, this may just be from my opinion based off some play experience, but also just being a reviewer in general. Um, there's too many skills that can be streamlined to be more intuitive. Um, that said, um, I do like the mechanically, I do like the, the passion system. Cause I'm a big fan of Pendragon, the runes. Uh, I'm still trying to mentally wrap my head around like invoking runes, you know, um, and then being able to use the ability, you know, the, the bonus, but it's it is a unique system. It, it is unto itself. I mean, it's got it's got its lineage from bits from here and bits from there. That a good a good if you want to get your head around the runes in uh, RuneQuest, just think of them in terms of the traits in Pendragon. 
Right. I I can do that um, just because I'm I'm well versed in Pendragon. I know that's kind of where they're derived from. But there are some differences from the traits in Pendragon versus runes. You know, they're not match pairs and yeah. things like that. Now there are some that are match pairs. There are some that are not. So it you have to, at least in my opinion, if you're going to get into RuneQuest, RuneQuest is a lifestyle game. It is not one, I think, yeah. personally, that I think you can play like hyper casually and go, oh, cool, let's just do like this one-off RuneQuest thing, you know, like once a year and say we had fun. RuneQuest is kind of like some some board games that I play you have to make a commitment into it because there's a lot to learn. There's a lot of knowledge rules and setting and lore, and you have to be kind of committed to it. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, it, it takes a little bit more, a little higher level of commitment than say playing, you know, the latest indie game that hit the scene this week and it'll be superseded by something else next week. It's yeah. yeah. If if you're looking at legacy in terms of like a casual game, if you're looking at casual gaming, pick a game up and run it for two or three weeks and then move on to something else. You're going to, you're probably going to have more fun with Barbarians of Lemuria than you are say with RuneQuest. Right. But then yeah. again, I don't think Barbarians of Lemuria will ever give you the full um, sort of depth of play that RuneQuest or, and the Gloranthan game could. Right. And I would say yeah. the same about Pendragon. You can't just pick up Pendragon yeah. to play a, a two or three session game and then move on to something else. It, it you're, you're better off. If that's the kind of game, like you said, that you enjoy, go play uh, Barbarians of Lemuria or something else. Mm. But if you want a game that has more depth, then obviously like Pendragon or RuneQuest and, and those kind of games will will feed that that beast and scratch that itch for you. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, where there is even um, an alternative to RuneQuest for role-playing in Garantha, um, uh, what's, what was HeroQuest but is now Quest Worlds, with a more streamlined rule set, um, you still have to you still have to sort of like engage with uh, the setting and its depth and its detail as well. So it's unavoidable um, either way. You know, even if you change the rule set. Right. Well, ultimately, though, for me, I, I think Doc Howie actually phrased it better. He said he he's a fan of the setting, not necessarily the rules. And I'm kind of the same. I mean, I'll. If, if it's well integrated, I'll play any set of rules as long as yeah, it's, it's I, in Glorantha. Probably it's one the of the best. More than anything. Probably one of the best times I've had playing in Glorantha is in a uh, in guys. Um, um, 13th age? 13th yeah, age. Yeah, thirteenth age. Um, had you know played in two of his games once and had an absolutely wonderful, wonderful time. I mean, I, I played a duck trickster, so how could you not have fun? But uh, but still, it, it's it, it's a definitely a different take rules wise, but it still felt like Glorantha. Um, yeah, I mean the, the rules version, the version of Thirteenth Age Glorantha uses the Thirteenth Age mechanics, ultimately derived from um, sort of like a mixture of Third Edition Dungeons and Dragons and Fourth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. But what it kind of feels more like in play is playing like a, a Saturday morning cartoon version of um, RuneQuest and. Durantha. I mean, to be fair, at some points of this campaign, it did feel like a Saturday morning cartoon, uh, <laughs> especially when we were leveling up during that one session uh, with Roll20 constantly blinging in the background as you were playing out a, a horribly 
tragic and dramatic yeah. situation where just bling, bling, and then Lloyd suddenly screamed. I was Ooh. the culprit on that one. <laughs> oh, I leveled up. <laughs> so, um, Roz, what, what, what yeah. can you add about the rules? Your thoughts? Yeah. I don't think that there are too many skills. And Ooh, the dissenting I, opinion. Yeah, because for me as a player, I like options. And also, I don't like to have, I, I don't believe in min-maxing and I don't like optimized characters. I pretty much like to play underdog, underdogs and struggling characters. And I think the passions especially help you anchor and it, it gives you, a, for me, a point of reference of what my character would do. Not in that whole roguey, well, oh, that's what my character would do, that's why I steal things. But, for example, in the, in the temple, when Deera's trying to pass through, gets booted out, I, a player, knew what I would, should do. I knew the right way to respond to what was being presented to me, but that's not what Dira would do. Dira would not forsake her father. Dira would not turn away from the family. So I like the passions. And again, I don't believe there are too many skills. I don't think you could ever have too many skills. That's fair. It it helps you focus. Right. For me. Yes. All right, so how about we? You guys want to wrap this thing up or what? Yeah, uh, no, yeah. because we haven't spoken about the last part of this entire thing that Lloyd has been saving for the end. Okay, yes, let's let's the let's the rules. Okay, so let's let's we'll let Lloyd do that, and then we'll, when we conclude, we'll just kind of you know just give a final thought, a piece, and also just would we or would we not recommend this game to people? You know, um, so Lloyd, yes, uh, yes, so, strap in context. I gave up a weekend of fun-filled activities to get to the end of this game. Gave up my free time because I thought, you know what? I want to see the end of this. I want to get to the end. I want to know what happens to these characters. I want to see them done. We play through it. We play through another battle, which I'm not going to talk about the rules for. Oh, my fucking God. And we go through the Royal where we go do the Royal stuff and have a fight, which I'm also not going to talk about the rules for. Oh, my God. We finished the fight. The Haribon barely make it out and the game ends. And I don't get a resolution to where these people go, to where it happens to them, to things that don't put, don't put your hand up and your words would be like, oh, it's a prequel. Put your hand up. Put your hand up, Pookie. <laughs> I don't get, I don't get a happy ending or a sad ending. No, Had the game cannot. ended where we'd lost and we're all taken as slaves and we were slaves for eternity, I'd have been like, greatest game of all time. 10 out of 10. Here's my money. Andrew Montgomery, I'm buying all your crap. I don't even care what was a Jones or not. I'll send you money. I'll fly to China. I'll high five you. But because we won and we didn't get that resolution, that bit where I was like, okay, so what happens now? I'm like, what? Well, like, is that it, is was it- no, you did not get in here. You got you got a whole panoramic view of the like Arable leaving uh the veil and stuff. It's just it's effect it's the end of season one. You don't get epilogues at the end of season one. You get we, it gets I have a question. 
before he made season two, did he know he was making a season two, or was that something he did after he made the money from season one? Because that's uh, like the he, Netflix he, version of for me. Yeah, he 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 had. <laughs> that's he a Netflix version did. for me. That's a lost season one for me. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, doesn't look like he. Mm. I mean, what we what we got was was Frodo and Sam paddling out in yeah. the river, and then the screen goes dark, and you're you're there in the theater going, "Wait, what? I've been sitting here for three hours. The theater's dark, and now I got to wait three years for part two to." Oh, you would be right, except I have gone and read the blurb for Company of Dragons. I guess it must talk about the Harry Bond. No, it freaking doesn't. It's a bunch of extra. It's a bunch of extra adventures. It's nothing to do with what happened there. It's completely separate. Right. Okay. No, it's okay. not. Okay, Pookie. Pookie, uh, say your okay. word, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Okay. So I want to just to point out, Lloyd, you did actually get a personal epilogue. Because uh, I got you a copy. I mean, just saying, I, I gave you a copy of the campaign. <laughs> She's sending me a copy of the book as the epilogue hidden in my house <laughs> until the day I finish. Does that count as an epilogue? For the day? But that was that was bloody wonderful, though. Okay, it was the, so good. Because the, the thing was, um, I you know, I took. I, okay, the thing is, that book actually came from another GM who attempted to run the campaign for. Um, that I was part of, okay, and that failed because a player wanted to play outside outside the narrow confines of the campaign, so it fell apart. Uh-huh. So I inherited that copy book, and I, I basically thought, okay, I don't know what to do with this. And then when you started playing, I thought, hold on a minute, the person who's death best deserves a copy of, of a copy of the campaign is you, Lloyd. So I literally I wrapped it in black paper as I normally do, and then I handed it to you in person and said, you can't unwrap that yet i'll tell you when it's time and it was on the end of the evening where we finished that campaign where i said uh lloyd you know that past that that package i gave you the other day now's the time to unwrap it it was brilliant yeah and you had to rush off and find it because you couldn't remember where you put it as nice as that was (laughs) and i appreciate that my statement still stands. If I if I see Andrew Lloyd Montgomery anywhere in life, let him know he's gonna catch hands for not giving me the <laughs> epilogue I wanted. That's what he should do. I'm I'm, I'm gonna leave it. I'm leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that. The epilogue. Montgomery. Logan. Oh, is okay. it Logan? It's not Lloyd. Yeah. Oh, no. it's Logan. You're right. It should be Lloyd. Shut my, <laughs> shut my name. Well, the, 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 the proper epilogue you're going to get is the Herobrine went back to their home planet, and as the, the <laughs> animation cell makes its way up the screen, we're, we're done. So, um, so yes, this is, wow, this has been almost two hours now that we've been talking know, about, right? about this game. So I know Keith has got to go here, so let's, let's wrap this up. Uh, maybe just a quick final thought of the ga- on the game, and you know, would you recommend this to both you know, experienced RuneQuest uh, players and people people as their introduction to RuneQuest. So, Keith. Uh, I would say, in a nutshell, yes, 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 and two thumbs up. Uh, fantastic story. Lots of options. Uh, it was immersive with the right game master. It it It's absolutely an experience. I think it's going to be an experience with any game master, but with the abs- you know, with the right game master, like Roy. Kudos, Roy. Uh, yes. It made it. It took it from being like it took it to a eleven on the on the on the volume dial. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I recommend it. it. Was a good intro to the game. The 
some of the lore, and I really like starting off as teenagers. Roz? I would absolutely recommend it, but I would feel bad for folks who would play it because they would not have the trailers that we had from Roy. <laughs> right. They were brilliant, they, mate. They, Yeah. Yes. Could you, uh, like, stop, could you insert that. a trailer here? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, like if, right if, if Roy will give me a, a, you know, one, I can edit it down just as an example. So absolutely. Hello, listeners. Scott here, and I hope you are enjoying this episode of Titter Pigs. Do you know that we're now monetized on Spotify? That's right. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can help sustain future episodes and other special events. All you need to do is go to our Spotify homepage, click the About section, and there you will find the support link, or click the link in the description. Know that Keith and I really appreciate any support we get from our listeners, no matter if it's a bit of pocket change or simply sharing titter pigs with other people. And now, back to the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Is that um, brilliant? And we got one before almost every episode, so it was great. Yes, yeah. I mean, uh, so Pookie. Uh, absolutely. Uh, this uh, um, Six Seasons in Sata is, uh, its focus is narrow, tight. It is, um, so it doesn't overbear you with its lore. This is the best initiation you will have to playing uh, RuneQuest role-playing Grantha. Um, it will initiate you as a GM into the setting. It will initiate the players into the setting of Glorantha and it will initiate their characters into the setting and allow them to grow. Absolutely. This is the best starter product for um, role playing, uh, sorry, Glorantha role playing in, 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 in sorry, RuneQuest role playing in Glorantha. Right. Yeah. Lloyd? I've always said that endings make anything. As such, I will give my review with my, my my feelings of the ending and epilogue added to it. A hundred percent definitely play this as an initiation into RuneQuest. If your GM is capable of telling the story that this book gives you full, but don't leave your hardcore beach party for it. <laughs> <laughs> and and can, can I just say to our we were almost begging you not to. Every yeah. single one of us thought it is madness you coming back from a beach party in Brighton for this. I was going to make the ending of this game unless <laughs> something killed me. <laughs> and it did. It was called the epilogue. Oh, and, and Roy, even though you were a player, how was it as a GM and how did you feel about um, um, running this? Yeah, in terms of the book itself, Succession, oh, yeah, I'd recommend it. Just to read, Not, even if you don't ever run it, it, it's worth it just to read it. It's a great introduction to Grantha. Um, I think with any of the game systems that use it, whether you're using 13th uh, Age, Grantha, or Quest World, the campaign works with all of them. I mean, it, the book actually gives you conversion notes for th 13th Age if you wanted to use it. And it was originally written as a, a Quest World, a Hero Quest. Oh campaign went by uh andrew montgomery originally so uh yeah regardless of the rules i personally i mean i love runequest right so I've, I've been playing it since 1981 i've been playing runequest so yeah i absolutely 
love it. So when people say, oh, it's complicated, I'm like, is it? I, I don't even notice. I mean, it just comes as second nature to me. But uh, yes, I would thoroughly recommend it. I think it is the best introduction, especially for players who are new to Glorantha. I'm running it again, and this time all the players are experienced Glorantha files. So I'm actually really curious to see how different experiences uh, there. Uh, but if yes, you have, a, if you're a GM, I'd, running Rune Quest, it's always best to have some sort of uh, knowledge of the setting if you're going to run it. But uh, if you've got a bunch, uh, a bunch of players who are new to Glorantha, then you can't ask for a better start to uh, well, Glorantha gaming. Well, one thing you've learned from running it with us is when you reach in the scenario, you know to make sure that none of your players have a hot sex state set up. Uh, tell them to go do that, and then yeah. you'll you'll do the epilogue another day. Um, so, um, yeah, and I mean, as for myself, uh, pretty much the same thing everyone says. This, this is a wonderful introduction to the world of Glorantha. I learned so much more by doing this than my initial uh, introduction to, to Glorantha, which was the you know, the quick start, um, I forget the rule, rule of it was, but the one that goes to the tower, um, hey. right, the broken tower, uh, which is great, but you you do kind of fumble around going, I don't know what's going on. None of this makes sense. Who is this? Why are we chasing cattle? Who is this person? This one <laughs> does does make you feel like you are part of the world. And, and whereas, you know, the, the other introductions, you don't really realize what you're doing until the end and you continue to maneuver through it. So this this definitely takes you step by step and by the end you do have at least in that part of the world a good clear understanding of what RuneQuest and Glorantha is like and definitely can make a very valid opinion of is this something I want to continue on with or is this I've had my fill and I'm I had a good time but thank you very much so and speak speaking of th thank you very much Roy on on behalf of all of us thank you uh this as much as this this game you know as much as andrew logan montgomery put into this game i don't think it would have been anywhere near as fantastic without you running it for us it's just an exceptional job the amount of effort sweat and heart you put into this game uh just just made made it 100 uh you know as wonderful as it can be you know for for all of us so thank you just well, uh, thank you very much. Well, at the risk of making this into a big circle jerk, I mean, it, it fantastic bunch of players. I'm well, a big I mean, fan of circle jerks, so thank joy. you very much. I was going to say, does that make up for the epilogue if we just, you know, have a big circle jerk right now? Um, <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> no, hey, it's not. Hey, my, my channel's not made for children. It's clearly stated. We're fine. And neither is Titter Pig, so right, yeah. So. <laughs> So, um, so in closing, um, you know, I just, everyone, thank you so much. Um, I do appreciate you taking your time to, to speak, speak about your experience within six seasons in Sartar and, and, uh, you know, making this, um, you know, kind of putting a nice little, well, nice little bow on the, 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 the scenario itself. So, um, and so on behalf of my silly little channel, uh, and Titter Pigs, and Titter Pigs, Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And, um, you know, we will see you again sometime real soon. Take care. Everybody. There we go. Take care, everyone. <laughs>Hey, Titter Pigs fam, just a quick reminder, we do have our Patreon going on. It's patreon.com slash titterpigs. 
You can show your support there. We have two tiers for you, a $3 and a $6 tier. So show us some love and be part of our growing community. And speaking of our growing community, I'd like to give a shout out to our current patrons. Thank you so much to Dr. Mitch, Jason Sheets, Bud's RPG Review, Dwayne Costa, William Payne, Lupus Malum, Salt Heart, and Patrick Mullen. <laughs>